Thank you once again, Brother Tim, and it's good to be together this evening. And please be open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. And I want you to notice something there as we uh, get started. Noticing uh, Paul, uh, top of Paul's head, I offered uh, Paul my rain hat this morning. It was raining so hard uh, coming in. He said, no problem. He waxes his head and the water just beads up on the top of it. <laughs> so, it's very good for you to laugh. You know, Proverbs 17, 22 says what? Yeah, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up your bones. So whenever um, Paul or me or some, even Ken tries to make a funny, it, it, it's better to go ahead and laugh. Okay. And in addition to that, they say that uh, when you laugh and don't laugh, you suppress those laughs, and the laugh goes back down in your body and goes to your hips, and your hip spreads. <laughs> so it's just better to go ahead and laugh. For uh, just a brief time this evening, we want to focus on Abraham uh, once again. And... We've, uh, this will be our third installment, really, of looking at Abraham. Wednesday evening in our adult class, we looked at Abraham and comparing him to Christ. Uh, we looked at, uh, in particular, the seed of Abraham and how that applied to Christ. And then we also looked at how the Abraham met uh, Melchizedek on his way back from a rescue. And uh, then Christ is spoken of as a king and high priest or a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. In the book of Hebrews, we looked at that Wednesday night. We also looked at the offering of Isaac, um, that Abraham um, obeyed God in, in taking him to that mountain, and how that um, compares to the offering of Jesus and how Jesus offered himself. You know, there was a little ram uh, in a thicket, and God told Abraham to, um, to take that ram and offer it uh, instead of, of Isaac, and that kind of pictures uh, Jesus being offered in our place uh, as he dies for our, our sins. Then we also looked at um, a circumcision and uh, Abraham being required to uh, be circumcised and how that applies uh, to the day of Christ and in our day today as well. And then this morning we looked at trusting God, using Abraham as our example. Uh, we learned uh, more about trusting God, and so uh, this evening, just some practical pointers about faith. Some practical pointers about faith. Again, looking at Abraham and some of the situations that he, he endured, uh, we can learn a lot about um, how to live out our faith in everyday life. Okay. The first uh, major idea I want us to, uh, to consider is um, I want us to think about the source of Abraham's faith, the source of his faith. He had a great faith. He had a great faith. In fact, if you look there in Romans 4, you see in verse uh, 20 and 21 that when it comes to the promises of God, Abraham did not stagger at this. He did not uh, waver in his belief, but he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he could, he could uh, fully perform. Whatever he promised, he could fully uh, perform. And then if you keep reading why I wanted you to have your Bibles open to Romans 4. 
Uh, Paul goes on to say this was not just written for history's sake, but rather it was written uh, for our sake as well. Those of us who believe in Jesus and believe that he was raised from the dead, the things about Abraham are written for our sake. And so that's why we want to look at Abraham rather closely. And so the first idea is to think about, well, where did he get his faith? Okay. There's only one way to get faith, and it, it has always been this way, and that, and that is through uh, the mouth of God, through the mouth of God. Romans 10, 17 sums it up for us. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by uh, and through the word of Christ. God spoke to Abraham several times, several times. Uh, in Acts 7, verse 3, you read that even before they went to Haran, God was speaking to Abraham while he was still in Ur of the Chaldees. Okay. And then uh, when they did get to Haran, and Haran's the place where Abraham's dad died, um, there Abraham uh, was spoken to by God uh, once again, telling him, I want you to go to a certain land. I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to give you some land. But mainly I'm going to bless the entire earth uh, through your seed. And so he spoke to him there at Haran. Then when uh, Abraham got into the land of Canaan, in Genesis uh, 12, verses uh, 7 and 8, God spoke to him uh, once again. Again and again, God speaks uh, to Abraham. Uh, in chapter uh, 13, I believe it is, in verses, uh, verse 4, he spoke to him again, uh, again there near uh, Shechem in, in, um, in the land of Canaan. After... Um, after uh, Lot and Abraham settled a land issue. God spoke to Abraham once again in Acts 13. In Acts 15, after Abraham had come back from uh, the rescue of Lot, God spoke to him as we read in Acts, uh, rather in uh, Genesis 15. In Genesis 17, God speaks to him once again. This is after uh, Ishmael had been born. In Genesis 18, you remember the angels come and visit Abraham and they have good news that Sarah's going to have a child in about uh, one year from that time. And then again in Genesis 22, after Abraham uh, was tested, his faith was tested by God, God spoke to him once again, confirming once and again the promises that he had made. But Abraham gets his faith from the mouth of God. And it's the same way for us today, except God doesn't speak directly to us. He speaks indirectly through uh, the scriptures, but he still speaks to us just the same. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 speaks of how that God uh, in times past has spoken unto the fathers through the prophets and through various other means, but now in this day he's spoken unto us uh, through his son. There was a, a new Bible given to some uh, little ones at church and this little girl had never been to uh, church before and she comes out of Bible class and she runs to her mom and says, Look, look, mom, got a new Bible. And they begin to look at it and she said, Look, mom, look in the back here. It's even got maps. I'll never get lost now. I'll never get lost. Sometimes children say things that are that are actually profound. You know, her pointing to the Bible and saying, I'll never get lost, uh, reminds us, of course, of passages like Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Only the scriptures can help us uh, to get to heaven. Only the scriptures can keep us uh, from being lost. And so like Abraham listened to God again and again, 
We must be listen, listen, listening to God again and again by opening up our Bibles, opening up our New Testaments, and reading and reading and thinking and thinking and reading and meditating upon His Word. Therein, there's no other source for faith. And so, the first thing we want to think about is the source of um, Abraham's faith came right from the Word of God. Missionaries uh, tell us that one of the sources of life and really food uh, in Honduras is the mango tree. The mango tree. Uh, everything almost in, in, in one sense or another, everything revolves around the mango tree. They, they use uh, the mango tree. It's, they're plenteous uh, down there. And they use it to make um, mango bread, mango uh, pancakes, uh, mango syrup. Mango salsa, uh, just about everything. Mango jam. And uh, oftentimes missionaries say that they will do their worshiping and other recreational activities. But oftentimes the worship services will be moved out under a mango tree just for, uh, just to be, have a cooler place uh, to worship. But the mango tree is a source of economic, economics for, uh, for those uh, in Honduras. It's a source of... Um, of their food is a source of their, their life. But for Abraham, his source for his faith was, uh, was the mouth of God. And it's like that for us. We will not be able to grow in our faith unless our, our mind, our hearts are in the book, uh, in the Word of God. A second idea I'd like to share with you about uh, having learning about faith uh, from Abraham is to uh, give close consideration to how Abraham grew in his faith. Grew in, grew in his faith. He had a growing faith. A growing faith. It's so important for us to understand, he did develop a great faith. When you read about his faith in Romans 4, uh, 17 through 21 and 22, uh, that's his faith at, uh, at his maturity. At his maturity. In other words, uh, when you look and see Abraham's faith uh, as uh, like when he offered Isaac and obeyed God uh, so uh, submissively in offering, taking Isaac to that mountain. Or uh, there in Romans 4 when it says that he was fully persuaded that God is able to, to uh, fulfill his promises. How do you square that with some earlier things in Abraham's life? For example, if you go back to Genesis 17, where God is reaffirming the promises uh, to Abraham, this is after Abraham and, and, and Sarah had done something uh, not so good. If you remember in, in Genesis 16, uh, they sort of, um, I believe uh, Abraham was about 86 years old then, and uh, Sarah said, uh, Basically, God is never going to give us a child through me. I'm all washed up. Uh, take, my, take my servant here, Hagar, and go with her. And Abraham did. And from that union came uh, his son Ishmael. And they thought, Abraham and Sarah thought, that was what they had to do. But in Genesis 17, God comes to Abraham and says, uh, Here's my promise through you and your seed. And Sarah... 
is going to have a son, and it is going to be through him I'm going to fulfill my promises. And Abraham looked to God and said, uh, No, Lord, but Ishmael. Ishmael, oh, that Ishmael may live. Okay. And when uh, it even says there in Genesis 17, 17, that when Abraham heard God say this, he, he laughed within himself. Uh, shall, shall I, 100 years old, and, and Sarah now 90 years old, shall we have a child? And Abraham laughed. And then later, when the angels in Genesis 18 came and gave the same sort of news, uh, Sarah laughed about this, Genesis 18, verse, verse 12. How do you square that sort of doubt uh, with reading about Abraham's strong faith in Romans 4? Well, Paul is speaking of Abraham's strong faith, if you notice it there, uh, when Abraham was 100 years old. Okay. His faith at 100 years old is much stronger than what his faith was when he was 80 and 86 years old. Not that he didn't have faith prior to when he was 100 years old, but his faith was growing and developing because when we read about Bible people, they are human beings. Okay? Just like they're, they're flesh and bones, just like us. And as we must grow in our faith, uh, so they had to grow in their faith as well. And so it wanted us to see the growing nature of uh, Abraham's faith, that, that sometimes he did, uh, that he, he did doubt. Sometimes he was weak. But by the time now that you get to this place when he's 100 years old and Paul begins to talk about in Romans 4 how that he did not stagger in unbelief, what he's talking about there is that when, when God says to him here in Genesis 17 and these angels come in Genesis 18 to tell him, that in just about a year, Sarah's going to, have, going to have Isaac. Abraham, during that year, and Sarah too, they, they did grow strong in their faith. They did not doubt. They believed God fully at that time, and their faith really matured after that. We must keep this in mind as well, that faith is something that, that we grow. This is what, the, um, what we often call the second part of the Great Commission. Now, Jesus gives a great commission. We read about it in Matthew 28 and verse 19. Go ye therefore and, and um, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in verse 20 says, uh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, verse 20 is the second part of the great commission. And that's just as necessary. That's just as important as the first part of the great commission to go and, and teach and baptize. We go, we teach, we baptize, and then we keep teaching because we've got to grow in our faith. Uh, our faith is like a muscle. And if our muscles um, are not used and developed and used again and made stronger, then they become very, very weak. And so does our, our faith. Faith is not a problem, but it is a process of growing. Let me uh, give you one of these sermon within a sermons. Um, how does our faith grow? Well, it grows through the precepts of God because uh, we know we cannot grow uh, without studying God's Word. The more we look at God's Word, have you ever noticed that uh, when your own faith, I've noticed this with myself, that if, when my faith grows weak, then I can just easily look at myself and I can say, I haven't been in the Word of God like I should have been. No. So through the precepts of God, and of course through praying to God, 
through laying it all out at the throne of God and leaving all of our burdens and our concerns and all, all of our experiences and giving them to God through praying to Him uh, certainly can help us to grow. And then the third thing is uh, through practicing our faith, actually living out what the Bible says for us to do, that helps us to grow in our faith. Even when we mess up, we get back up and we just keep trying. And then also the partnerships that we have at church uh, can help us to grow in our faith. And so in those four ways, we can certainly, uh, we can certainly grow. So I want us to see uh, the growing nature of Abraham's faith. The third thing I want us to see about Abraham's faith is how generous he was in his faith. If we truly trust God, if, if we truly have faith, then we will be a generous soul. And that's, that describes Abraham, if, if anything does. When, um, when Abraham and Sarah and Lot was with them, his nephew Lot, they, uh, if you, when you're reading in Genesis 12, they have to go to Egypt because of, of a severe famine in the land. But coming back from Egypt after a while, uh, they're actually, uh, their, their livestock and their possessions had, had grown. And they came back to Canaan, and um, there arose strife between uh, the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of, of Abraham. And Abraham uh, comes to Lot and said, let there be no strife between us. Uh, we are brethren. And so uh, Abraham and his generosity told Lot, he said, you choose uh, the part of the land that we're looking at here. You choose what you want, and then I'll take whatever is left. And if you read there in Genesis 13, about verse 10, uh, Lot looked to the uh, Jordan Valley, and he saw that it was well watered. He saw that it was, um, it was almost like the Garden of God. Uh, itself, so he chose the best part for himself. Now, Abraham could have um, exerted his seniority here. I mean, he was older; Lot was his nephew, but he was a servant of God, and he allowed Lot to choose. And it just shows how generous he was in his faith. Another instance is in Genesis 14. Uh, Lot got himself uh, captured uh, down there near uh, Sodom in a skirmish between several um, uh, kings. And so Abraham went to rescue Lot. He did a great job and brought him back, brought everybody back. And as he come back, he meets Melchizedek, Genesis uh, 14, 17 and 24. And um, he meets Melchizedek, and he gives uh, Melchizedek, Melchizedek is a king of Salem, and he is priest of God, the Most High God himself. So Abraham gives to him a tenth of all that he has. And then, at the same time, the king of Sodom, being very grateful for Abraham's help in this skirmish that was taking place, he, he encouraged Abraham just to keep the rest of the spoils uh, himself. Abraham would not do it. Abraham would rather trust in God than to take those spoils uh, for himself. That's just an example of how generous he was in his faith. And if we're going to express our faith, of course, we want to be just that type of a person. Well, Paul encouraged this, of course, in 2 Corinthians uh, verses, or chapters 8 and 9, as he talks about uh, giving of our 
money, giving of our means. Uh, he even gives an example of, of Jesus uh, himself in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. Though uh, he was uh, rich, Jesus was. You can't get any more rich than being in heaven. Okay. So though Jesus was rich, yet for our sakes uh, he became poor. He left heaven and come down here so that through his poverty uh, we can become spiritually rich. We can gain what we need for our, our souls. And then over in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 6 through uh, 9, you see Paul saying, He that um, sows sparingly shall also uh, reap sparingly. Talking about giving. But he that sows in a generous way, abundantly, will also reap abundantly. And so generosity, of course, is encouraged. And so I wanted us to see the fact that Abraham's faith was very generous. And then, in the next place, let's think about this. Abraham and his faith, he he had a faith that gave God the glory. He had a a giving God the glory faith. We read that in Romans 4, uh, back to our passage in Romans 4. We read that, that that he would uh, wax strong in faith, giving glory to God. He that was just his nature. He wanted to give glory to God. One way you see this is to notice how often Abraham would stop and build an altar unto the Lord. You read there in Genesis 12 when he got into the land of Canaan. Genesis 12, verses 7 and 8. At each spot that he moved, he would stop and build an altar unto God and call upon the name of, of the Lord. Okay. He did that in several places as he as he moved along. I think it's in uh, Genesis 21. You might want to mention uh, or look at this with me. Genesis uh, 21. As he is, um, I believe this is the instance when he is in the land of the Philistines. Yes. And he'd had um, some conversations with uh, Abimelech. And it says here in Genesis 21:31 Therefore that place was called Beersheba because there both of them swore an oath they made an agreement with each other so they made a covenant at Beersheba Genesis 21:32 Then Abimelech and Phicol the commander of the army rose up and returned to their land of the Philistines but Abraham planted a tree right there in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord. He called on the everlasting God. He called upon the everlasting God. You see that there? He gave glory to God everywhere he went. We mentioned this morning that uh, you learn from Joshua 24 too that Abraham's uh, father and some others of his relatives served other gods, but not Abraham. Abraham believed in the everlasting God. He gave glory to the everlasting God. Now let me try something on you here. Over in Genesis uh, 21 is the birth of Isaac. You know, Abraham had laughed about this. Sarah had laughed about this. Now notice the birth of Isaac comes. Notice Sarah's uh, reaction. I'm going to pick up here in Genesis 21. Verse 5, it says, Abraham was a hundred years old when his 
son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Genesis 21, 7, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would have uh, the ability to nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. See, they called their son Isaac, which means laughter. Laughter. Now, I'm just kind of trying this out. I'm just wondering, why did they call their son Isaac? Why would you... Why would you name your child after something that um, was a weakness in your faith? I believe, it seems to me, that she is seeking to give glory to God by naming Isaac, Isaac, meaning laughter. In other words, she wanted people to know that she had doubted the Lord. But in him bringing this uh, to pass in their old age, that would cause people to... To wonder at his power. Be amazed at what he had done uh, through them. Nonetheless, we know that Abraham gave glory to God. And in our faith, in all things, we must give glory. Uh, Every once in a while, uh, Brother uh, Little will bring us a report on mission work. He will oftentimes refer to Acts 14.27. When Paul and his mission work would come back to Antioch and report. And... The message was they wanted them to understand all that God had done. Not all that they had done okay, in, their, in their work. But they wanted, to understand, they wanted them to understand what God had done through them. Through them and how he had opened doors of faith for them to walk into and be able to preach the gospel. Paul says in Galatians 6 and verse 14, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have nothing to boast of. We have nothing to boast of except the cross. All glory goes to our Lord. 1 Corinthians 1.31, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you do, whether you're eating or drinking, whatever you do in life, do it to the glory of God. And then, I wanted to mention this about Abraham's faith, and that is to notice that God tested his faith. His was a faith that was tested. And we remember Genesis 22, verse 1. God told Abraham to go to Mount Moriah and offer his son there uh, as a sacrifice. The very son, the very son that they had waited on, the very son through whom the promises to the earth would be uh, fulfilled, go offer him a sacrifice. Would Abraham uh, carry through with this? Would he, would he be willing to do this? And, and God said later, now I know that you fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. And now I know you serve the Lord with all your heart. And he did pass the test. But that's part of the process. You know, we were talking a moment ago about growing in our faith. Part of this process is to grow as God tests us. Do you believe that God tests our faith? And you have to. Because uh, it's, it's a clear teaching of the Bible. Let me have um, a couple of readers here. Andrew, will you read uh, James uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 2 through 4 for us? And uh, Kim, will you read Romans chapter 5, 3 through 5? Get us uh, thinking about um, the testing of our faith. The testing of our faith. And then uh, Houston, you want to read for us? Uh, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. 
1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. So let's, let's hear from James and then from Paul in Romans and then from Peter, 1 Peter 1, uh, 6 and 7. So let's think about the testing of our faith. Go ahead, Andrew. James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Right. So notice that in our, the testing of our faith, it'll make us perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. That, that is, of course, it means to become very mature. We grow in our faith. We, we become more and more like Abraham as we meet those tests, those daily tests, and we stick with God and we fulfill God. We keep obeying God. We keep submitting to God. We keep praying to God, even in the face of trial. Okay. Let's hear from... Romans chapter 5, uh, about verse 3 through 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Right, so notice Paul says we're going to glory in, we're going to rejoice in our tribulations because that leads to endurance and then that leads to uh, character and that leads to hope and that just leads to greater and greater things. So oftentimes when we're tested, that's the time when we're going to get stronger and stronger. Now let's hear from Peter in 1 Peter 1, uh, 6 and 7. Where do you greatly rejoice for now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold Trial of our faith, trying of our faith, the testing of our faith is sometimes well, like a fire. Puts us through a fire, but we'll come out on the other side being so much more cleaner and so much more mature. And so this is another way in which God uses situations in life to cause us to get stronger. So add to that as we grow in our faith. Add to, you know, studying God's Word is important. Praying to God is important. Living out our faith is important. Partnering, partnering having fellowship with each other is important uh, to growing our faith. But add to that the fact that when we are facing trials, facing uh, stress, facing worry, that when we, when we exhibit faith, in fact, those, those are the very times when we really need to shine uh, for the world to see. The world is probably, most likely, uh, looking at our faith most uh, sharply when we are going through trial. That is the time when we must stand up and show the world exactly who we believe in and who we're living for. And so the testing of our faith. Let's mention uh, quickly here two more parts of Abraham's faith. Uh, he had a he had a connecting faith. Let's just call it that. He had a connecting faith. Okay. And we read about that in Hebrews 11 and verse 8. When it says uh, God called him to go out into a place that he would inherit later uh, as, as a promised land. And when God called him, it says Abraham obeyed and went out not knowing where he went. That shows us a lot about how to connect to God. If we connect to God, it has to be an obedient faith. A faith that obeys. And James does the same thing 
with Abraham's faith when we turn over to James 2 and read verses 21 to 24. And he asks this question. He says, you know, was not Abraham justified by works when he had offered up his son Isaac? And then James goes on to say, you see then that by works your faith is made perfect. Not by faith only. Works, just, just substitute the word obedience there for works. Okay. Abraham was justified by his faith and work for faith and obedience before God. And why is James bringing this out? Why is the Hebrew writer bringing this out? Okay. So that we would know how to connect with God in our day today. It's a faith that obeys, that connects uh, to the Lord. That's why here uh, recently we've been um, diligently in the Back to the Bible pamphlets and, and other sources trying to learn better how to uh, talk to people about the gospel because everybody has to learn, of course, about the wonderful grace and love of God and all that he's done to provide salvation, but also we must learn how to connect uh, to the blessings of that cross, and that comes through an obedient uh, faith. It's interesting that in Acts 2, and we mention this often, but in Acts 2, the people asked, you know, what shall we do about our sins? Peter says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That in the name of Jesus Christ, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But later, these same people who obeyed that are called believers. The believers were together, Acts 2, 44. The more believers were added to the Lord, the book of Acts said. And so those who obeyed God's commands are the ones called believers. Why? Because faith is a faith that, o- that obeys. It's a connecting faith. Abraham connected to God. Would well, Let's just say it like this. What would be the situation if, if Abraham had not obeyed God? Would we be reading about his faith today? Of course we would not. If he had not obeyed God, we wouldn't even be reading about Abraham. That's how we connect uh, to God. And the final thing this evening is, in regard to Abraham's faith, notice that it's a rebounding faith. It's a resilient faith. It's a faith that would uh, often spring back. There are some times when Abraham disappointed God. When they went um, almost uh, not not far into his um, sojourning, we read there in Genesis 12, not far into his sojourning, a famine came upon the land. Did Abraham quit? No, he didn't quit. He didn't go back home. He didn't panic. But he did go down into Egypt. It was necessary to go down into Egypt to find uh, food again uh, during that time. And um, while he went down to Egypt, he was fearful of the rulers of Egypt because uh, Sarah was very beautiful. And so he told Sarah beforehand, he said, don't tell people you're my wife. To say you're my sister. Okay. That was not being altogether honest with what, what was taking place there. And that wasn't honest with, with the rulers of Egypt. And so there were times when, when Abraham uh, had to bounce back after personal disappointment. But he did. He did. And we must have the same kind of bounce back of faith. Too often um, our faith is shattered because we are ashamed of what we've done. And we ought to be ashamed. When we, ought, when we do sin, we ought to be ashamed. But we also must remember that uh, God is a God of a second chance. God is a God of mercy. Uh, Peter denied the Lord, but he didn't give up. 
And the Lord puts him back to work as we read about in the book of Acts. And we need to have a rebound in faith. So notice some of these ideals about faith and hopefully it can help us to live out our faith on a daily, on a daily basis. Remember, uh, there was a particular source of Abraham's faith that being the word of God. Remember that Abraham, like us, Abraham had to grow in his faith. Sometimes his faith was weak, but he had to grow in his faith. Remember also that he had a very generous faith. And he had a faith that would give glory uh, to God. But he had a faith that was uh, willing to obey and connect to God. And his faith was a resilient faith. And let us not let defeat or let us not let disappointment um, or doubt defeat us. Let us stick with God. Let us come back to God. And, and that's our message here at the end of every lesson. Uh, come back to God. Come back to Him. He made us, He created us to serve Him. He made us in His image. He wants us to be in heaven. Uh, we need to come back to Him. If we have wandered away... Uh, as a sinner, if we've never put the Lord on in baptism, we need to come home to Him. This evening, we uh, stand ready to assist anyone who may be in need of, um, of the Lord's uh, power, the Lord's uh, direction in, in His Word. If anyone who would like to uh, come and just have prayer of strength, or if there's someone who you feel like you have, you've let God down and you want to come back to Him, or it may be there's just someone who, who's ready to just, uh, you know, I want to I connect with God. I know He's great. I know He's done wonderful things. I know the Lord has died uh, for me. I want to connect with Him and uh, serve Him the rest of my days. Uh, if we can help you with that, please make that known right now as we stand together as we sing.